Chapter Eight of the Middle of Things. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Middle of Things by J. S. Fletcher. Chapter Eight. News from Arcadia. When Viner, half an hour later, walked into the waiting room at Crawl, Paul, and Rattenbury's, he was aware of a modestly attired young woman, evidently from her dress and appearance, a country girl who sat shyly turning over the pages of an illustrated paper. And as soon as he got into Paul's private room, the old solicitor jerked his thumb at the door by which Viner had entered, and smiled significantly. "'See that girl outside?' he asked. She's the reason of my ringing you up. Yes, said Viner, but what? Why? More mystery? Don't know, said Mr. Paul. I've kept her story till you came. She turned up here about three quarters of an hour ago and said that her grandmother, who keeps an inn at Marketstoke in Buckinghamshire, had seen the paragraph in the papers this morning in which I asked if anybody could give any information about Mr. John Ashton's movements and had immediately sent her off to me, with a message that a gentleman of that name stayed at their house for a few days some weeks since, and that if I would send somebody over there she, the grandmother, could give some particulars about him. So that solves the question we were talking of at Markendale Square as to where Ashton went during the absence Mrs. Killenhall told us of. "'If this is the same Ashton,' suggested Viner. "'We'll soon decide that.' answered Mr. Paul, as he touched the bell on his desk. I purposely awaited your coming before hearing what this young woman had to tell. Now, my dear, he continued, as a clerk brought the girl into the room, take a chair and tell me what your message is, more particularly. You're from Marketstoke, eh? Just so, and your grandmother, who sent you here, keeps an inn there? Yes, sir, the Ellingham Arms replied the girl as she sat down and glanced a little nervously at her two interviewers. "'To be sure. And your grandmother's name is what?' "'Hannah Summers, sir.' "'Mrs. Hannah Summers. Grandfather living?' "'No, sir.' "'Very well. Mrs. Hannah Summers, landlady at the Ellingham Arms, Marketstoke, in Buckinghamshire. Now then, but what's your name, my dear?' "'Lucy Summers, sir.' "'Very pretty name, I'm sure. "'Well, and what's the message your grandmother sent me? "'I want this gentleman to hear it.' "'Grandmother wishes me to say, sir, "'that we read the piece in the paper this morning "'asking if anybody could give you any news about a Mr. John Ashton, "'and that, as we had a gentleman of that name "'staying with us for three or four days some weeks since, "'she sent me to tell you, "'and to say that if you would send somebody down to see her, "'she could give some information about him.' "'Very clearly put, my dear. Much obliged to you,' said Mr. Paul. "'Now, I suppose you were at the Ellingham Arms when this Mr. Ashton came there?' "'Oh, yes, sir. I lived there.' "'To be sure. Now, what sort of man was he, in appearance?' "'A tall, big gentleman, sir, with a beard, going a little grey. He was wearing a blue serge suit.' Mr. Paul nodded at Viner. "'Seems like our man,' he remarked. "'Now,' he went on, turning again to Lucy Summers, "'you say he stayed there three or four days, "'but what did he do with himself while he was there?' "'He spent a good deal of time about the church, sir,' answered the girl, "'and he was at Ellingham Park a good deal.' 
"'Whose place is that?' interrupted Mr. Paul. "'Lord Ellingham, sir.' "'Do you mean that Mr. Ashton called on Lord Ellingham, or what?' "'No, sir, because Lord Ellingham wasn't there. He scarcely ever is there,' replied Lucy Summers. "'I mean that Mr. Ashton went into the park a good deal and looked over the house. A good many people come to see Ellingham Park, sir.' "'Well, and what else?' asked Mr. Paul. "'Did he go to see people in the town at all?' "'I don't know, sir, but he was out most of the day, and at night he talked a great deal with my grandmother in her sitting-room, I think,' added the girl with a glance which took in both listeners. "'I think that's what she wants to tell about. She would have come here herself, but she's over seventy and doesn't like travelling. Mr. Paul turned to Viner. "'Now we know where we are,' he said. "'There's no doubt that this is our Ashton, and that Mrs. Summers has something she can tell about him. Viner, I suggest that you and I go down to Market Stoke this afternoon. You've accommodations for a couple of gentlemen, I suppose, my dear,' he added, turning to the girl. "'Couple of nice bedrooms and a bit of dinner, eh?' "'Oh, yes, sir,' replied Lucy Summers. "'We constantly have gentlemen there, sir.' "'Very well,' said Mr. Paul. "'Now, then, you run away home to Market Stoke, my dear. "'And tell your grandmother that I'm very much obliged to her, "'and that I am coming down this evening with this gentleman, Mr. Viner, "'and that we shall be obliged if she shall have a nice, plain, well-cooked dinner "'ready for us at half-past seven. "'We shall come in my motor-car. "'You can put that up for the night, and my driver, too?' "'Very well, that's settled. "'Now, come along, and one of my clerks shall get you a cab to your station. "'Great Central, isn't it? "'All right. "'Mind you get yourself a cup of tea before going home.' "'Viner,' Paul continued, when he had taken the girl into the outer office, "'we can easily run down to Market Stoke in under two hours. "'I'll call for you at your house at half-past five. "'That'll give us time to wash away the dirt before our dinner, "'and then we'll hear what this old lady has to tell.' Viner, who was musing somewhat vaguely over these curious developments, looked at Mr. Paul as if in speculation about his evident optimism. "'You think we shall hear something worth hearing?' he asked. "'I should say we probably shall,' replied Mr. Paul. "'Put things together. Ashton goes away as soon as he's got settled down in Markendale Square, on a somewhat mysterious journey. Now we hear that he had a secret. Perhaps something relating to that secret is mixed up with his visit to Market Stoke.' "'Depend upon it, an old woman of over seventy, especially a landlady of a country town inn, whose wits are presumably pretty sharp, wouldn't send for me unless she'd something to tell. Before midnight, my dear sir, we may have learnt a good deal.' Viner picked up his hat. "'I'll be ready for you at half-past five, he said. Then halfway to the door he turned with a question. "'By the by,' he added, "'you wouldn't like me to tell the two ladies that we've found out where Ashton went when he was away?' "'I think not, until we've found out why he went away,' answered the old lawyer with a significant smile. "'We may draw the covert blank, you know, after all, when we've some definite news.' Viner nodded, went out into the afternoon calm of Bedford Row, as he walked up it staring mechanically at the old-fashioned red-brick fronts. He wondered how many curious secrets had been talked over and perhaps unraveled in the numerous legal sanctuaries approached through those open doors. Were there often as strange ones as that upon which he had so unexpectedly stumbled? 
and when they first came into the arena of thought and speculation did they arouse as much perplexity and mental exercise as was now being set up in him did every secret too possibly endanger a man's life as his old schoolfellows was being endangered he had no particular affection or friendship for langston hyde of whom indeed he had known very little at school but he had an absolute conviction that he was innocent of murder and that conviction had already aroused in him a passionate determination to outwit the police he had been quick to see through drillford's plans there was a case a strong prima facie case against hyde and the police would work it up for all they were worth failing proofs in other directions failing the discovery of the real murderer how was that case going to be upset? And how was it likely that he and Paul were going to find any really important evidence in an obscure Buckinghamshire market-town? He jumped into a cab at the top of Bedford Row and hastened back to Markendale Square to pack a bag and prepare for his journey. Miss Pankridge called him from the drawing-room as he was running upstairs. He turned into the room to find her in company with two ladies— dismal pathetic figures in very plain and obviously countrified garments both in tears and evident great distress who as viner walked in rose from their chairs and gazed at him sadly and wistfully they reminded him at once of the type of spinster found in quiet unpretentious cottages in out-of-the-way villages the neither young nor old women who live on circumscribed means and are painfully shy of the rude world outside and before either he or Miss Pankridge could speak, the elder of the two broke into an eager exclamation. "'Oh, Mr. Viner! We are Langston's sisters, and we are so grateful to you! And, oh, do you think you can save him?' Viner was quick to seize the situation. He said a soothing word or two, begged his visitors to sit down again, and whispered to Miss Pankridge to ring for tea. "'You have come to town to-day?' he asked. "'We left home very, very early this morning,' replied the elder sister. "'We learned this dreadful news last night in the evening paper. "'We came away at four o'clock this morning. "'We live in Durham, Mr. Viner, and we have been to Mr. Feltham's office this afternoon. "'He told us how kind you had been in engaging his services for our unfortunate brother, "'and we came to thank you. "'But, oh, do you think there is any chance for him?' "'Every chance.' declared Viner, pretending more conviction than he felt. "'Don't let yourselves be cast down. We'll move heaven and earth to prove that he's wrongly accused. I gather, if you don't mind my asking, that your brother has been out of touch with you for some time.' The two sisters exchanged mournful glances. "'We had not heard anything of Langton for some years,' replied the elder. "'He's much, much younger than ourselves, and perhaps we are too staid and old-fashioned for him. But if we had known that he was in want—' "'Oh, dear me, we are not at all well-to-do, Mr. Viner, but we would have sacrificed anything. Mr. Feltham says that we shall be allowed to visit him. He is going to arrange for us to do so. And, of course, we must remain in London until this terrible business is over. We came prepared for that.' "'Prepared for that,' replied the other sister, who seemed to be a fainter replica of the elder. "'Yes, prepared, of course, Mr. Viner.' "'Now that we have found Langton, though, in such painful circumstances,' said the first speaker, "'we must stand by him. "'We must find some quiet lodging and settle down to help. "'We cannot let the burden fall on you, Mr. Viner.' "'Viner glanced at Miss Pankridge. "'They were quick to understand each other, these two, "'and he knew at once that Miss Pankridge saw what was in his mind. "'You must stay with us.' he said, turning to the two mournful figures. We have any amount of room in this house, and we shall be only too glad. 
"'Oh, but that is too,' began both ladies. "'I insist,' said Viner with a smile. "'We both insist,' echoed Miss Pankridge. "'We are both given to having our own way, too, so say no more about it. "'We are all in the same boat just now, and its name is Mystery, "'and we must pull together until we're in harbour.' "'Listen,' said Viner, "'I have to go away to-night on a matter closely connected with this affair. "'Let me leave you in my aunt's charge, and to-morrow I may be able to give you some cheering news. "'You'll be much more comfortable here than in any lodgings or hotel, and—' "'And I should like to do something for Hyde. "'We're old schoolfellows, you know.' "'Then he escaped from the room and made ready for his journey, "'and at half-past five came Mr. Paul in his private car "'and carried him off into the dark.' An hour and a half later the car rolled smoothly into the main street of a quiet, wholly Arcadian little town, and pulled up before an old-fashioned, many-gabled house over the door of which was set up one of those ancient signs which, in such places, display the coat of arms of the lord of the manor. Viner had just time to glance around him, and in a clear starlit evening, to see the high tower of a church, the timbered fronts of old houses, and many a tall, venerable tree, before following Mr. Paul into a stone hall, filled with dark oak cabinets and bright with old brass and pewter, on the open hearth of which burned a fine and cheery fire of logs. "'Excellent!' muttered the old lawyer as he began to take off his multitudinous wraps. "'A real bit of the real old England!' "'Viner, if the dinner is as good as this promises, I shall be glad we've come, whatever the occasion.' "'Here's the landlady, I suppose,' said Viner, as a door opened. A tall, silver-haired old woman, surprisingly active and vivacious in spite of her evident age, came forward with a polite, old-fashioned bow. She wore a silk gown and a silk apron and a smart cap, and her still bright eyes took in the two visitors at a glance. "'Your servant, gentlemen,' she said. "'Your rooms are ready, and dinner will be ready, too, when you are. "'This way, if you please.' "'A very fine old house, this, ma'am,' observed Mr. Paul, "'as they followed her up a curious staircase, all nooks and corners. "'And you have, no doubt, been long in it.' "'Born in it, sir,' said the landlady with a laugh. "'Our family on one side has been here two hundred years. "'This is your room, sir. This is your friend's.' "'She paused, and with a significant look pointed to another door.' "'That,' she said, "'is the room which Mr. Ashton had when he was here.' "'Ah, we are very anxious to know what you can tell us about him, ma'am,' said Mr. Paul. Mrs. Summers paused, and again glanced significantly at her visitors. "'I wish I knew the meaning of what I shall tell you,' she answered. End of chapter 8